So this podcast is sponsored by um, FightAesthetic.Asia or FightAesthetic Southeast Asia. Um, use code BJJAsia and you'll get 10% off all products except from the Legacy Gi. And a quick shout out to Staline.Food in Bangkok. Um, they provide me with um, quite a lot of like high protein meals and uh, chicken protein shakes. They're not, they're, they actually taste relatively good. So uh, yeah, just a shout out to those guys. So uh, this is part two um, with uh, the Lock and Roll guys. Uh, Diz, Rabindra, and uh, we have a special guest, Sisan Bania. Is that how you pronounce it? Sisan Bania. Sisan Bania, sorry. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, they're back. They got another fight this um, coming on the 15th Friday. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to catch up, see how things are going, right? So, um, the last thing we talked, did you guys have a fight confirmed yet? Or was no. it not? Yeah, it wasn't even confirmed, right? It's just an idea. Yeah. It was full. And then, the f- and then uh, like a week after that, basically, you guys were prepping stuff down in Pattaya at Fairtex, right? Yeah, just in a couple of days after we were here, like things got started. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. even a week. Like we left, as soon as we left Bangkok, the very next day, we had a fight offered or something. Oh, that's really fast. Yeah. yeah. So how, um, how was it staying down in Pattaya for training and that? It was good, man. Like, I think that at that time, that was the best possible thing that could have happened. Like, we got exposed to a new culture, new gym, new coaches, new everything, basically. The, we were, like, training. He was training uh, across some of the biggest stars of one championship, like Stamp and Sam Pitch. All these guys are, like, like they're pro of the pros, you know? So it rubbed off a little bit on him, too. So it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, they've got accommodation there as well, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, but like everything outside of the like everything outside of like the camp or the training center. Well, what's it like around, like Fedex? That Pattaya, basically, like, is it conducive to like training camp, or do you think it's? A it was. To be honest, it was not a very big MMA team. That that's why we liked it there because mm-hmm. the coaches available. You know the coaches and yeah. the, the jujitsu coach, the striking coach Nate. And even Mark Arbelado, he's one of the pro MMA fighters out of the camp. It's a small MMA gym, and it and he was he suddenly came to them, you know, so they could concentrate their attention to him. So that was good, rather than like a big room of like 40, 50 fighters with the coaches, like it's diluted the attention. Mm-hmm. So it was good. Yeah. And around that camp, we the the rooms were right outside the gym. And the food and also similar like shops. And yeah, everything is next to the gym. You don't need to venture out much if you want to go train down at Fairtex. So you'd say like the whole thing was pretty top level in terms of like um, professionalism? Yeah, their Muay Thai is good. You know? yeah. They've got like good Muay Thai coaches and school. And MMA also is a new team. Mm-hmm. It's a new coaches, new set of coaches just working their thing. And uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, it was proper for him. So yeah, I remember. I remember I was speaking to Sparky. He was like episode number two, or officially episode number one. He's the guy that actually set up yeah. the Fairtex Training Center. Uh-huh. He used to become like a country club with a little bit of Muay Thai, tennis courts, and all swimming pools and all that kind of stuff. And then he kind of built the MMA team there, set out the contracts, the training programs, the strength and conditioning area. And he's he's a black belt himself as well. I, uh, can I say something? Yeah, sure. I think Sparky, like, I haven't met him, but we know each other through text, you know, through Andrew and yourself, you introduced us to Sparky. So as soon as after the fight f- finished the previous time, he messaged saying, I think they're going to make Ismail and Robinder next. Mm-hmm. He was the first one. Oh, to, really? Yeah. Wow. He, he could see something. Yeah. 
So yeah. he messaged me saying, uh, your boy and this Pakistani boy is going to fight. Yeah. They're going to make it. So look forward to it. Yeah. This is like way before even like one. So I before think. Before he even signed the contract yeah, yeah. stuff like that. I think wow. he's, he told the matchmaker or something or something. Could yeah. be like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That guy is like, that guy is so dialed in in terms of like business stuff like that in Thailand. He knows all the right people. He knows the business and he works in like, he works in like IT and stuff like that as well. But man, health-wise, that guy's the most unluckiest guy I ever met because he had that bike accident, right? And then he was on some kind of medication and he said like he started getting like blurry in one of his eyes. Turns out like the medication he was taking was like messing with his eye and he ended up getting like a detached retina and he had to go into like emergency surgery immediately, yeah. And then like, <laughs> I feel so bad for him because it looks so silly, but he's like, he's face down on one of those massage beds and he's not allowed to like sit upright post-surgery so he's like because like and apparently he's got like holes in his eyeball and stuff like that oh, now it's crazy so unlucky health-wise yeah yeah local taxi driver two months ago video cctv footage like like a young guy smash it the video is like fucked up yeah, well, seen that we wish him all the best i guess yeah I, like, it's, it's on his instagram as well i can't believe he put it out there because apparently they told him not to and the bike taxi driver lost his leg yeah oh man that's dramatic yeah it's really bad and yeah man speedy recovery to sparky man Hope, mm -hmm. wish him the best and yeah thanks mm -hmm. yeah so like in terms of leading up to the fight, everything, and like aftermath of the fight, during the fight, etc. What What did you learn from competing in one in FC, would you think? Can I ask him that? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, one FC, my first fight, but he was like, so, what's your first experience? Man, what's your first experience? What's your first experience? What's your ठीक <laughs> तर त्यो फाइट बसि था भए के मेहनत त कति गर्नु छ गर्नु छ अझै अनि बाकी अलि मान्छेहरुसँग कति बोल्ने सोशल मिडिया दिने कति के 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 गर्ने सबै कुराहरु जस्ट अलि पब्लिक को त्यो कमेन्टहरुले नि हुन्छ नि कि कति को हम्बल सबै कुरा हुनु पर्ने रहेछ like mathematics, so we could have theory to put you on. Moms, please. <laughs> you just find out that the journey has just begun. So that you used to think that he used to work out really, really hard, but now the hard work has actually just started. So, and also about how to speak in public, you know, that the fact that you've got to remain really humble in front of people. He's actually got pretty famous in Nepal and around his gym, everyone looks up to him. He's been a keen source of inspiration of where people, where fighters want to be in future. So there's a lot of hope. I think he missed out that part. Yeah. But <clears throat> as soon as he goes back to Locket Road or any gym or anywhere, either it's a, any sort of athlete, he's been a very good inspiration after one, especially uh, after the clean fight that he, like, you know, 
Yeah, that was an awesome fight. Yeah. I remember going to watch them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize the guy was such a decorated striker as well, though. Yeah, he's yeah. a good striker. He's doing good hooks, man, last fight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, like, um, what happened after the fight then? What was the aftermath? Like, um, you had a few days left in Bangkok, then you're back back home in Nepal. The goal is always to stay consistent for him. Like, within, you know, in a year, he wants to fight at least three to four times. So this would be the third pro fight in a year. Mm -hmm. So we knew we wanted to fight before the year ended. And uh, and he went home, but some like, like there was a bunch of stuff that happened in Nepal, like personal stuff and all. Right. We, we, I don't get into that too much. But uh, the fight was offered. Just said, let's do it. Nothing much. Like we celebrated a few days after that. You know, like he just said, the hard work has just begun, and he was down. He didn't go out of shape. Nothing. Like he he came back to his real weight. Then again, went home. Then started running the mountains, getting ready for the next fight. And he literally lives in up in the mountains. Bro. Yeah. And as soon as he was going home, even though he was with his family and stuff back, his mind is still there's a fight coming next, and all this. Uh, smoke and mirrors are nothing like he's really grounded and he's serious about his journey forward yeah so you have this other fight well you have the next fight coming this friday and it's going to be against a pakistani opponent he was actually the second fight on the same card that you guys were on um i remember thinking that guy was like i remember watching him just thinking jesus this guy's grappling is like pretty impressive but then i realized oh he's fighting a korean guy with a taekwondo background Whereas that guy was 5'7", which is like the same height as me. That Korean guy was 5'3". But they look better, bigger in the ring watching from um, just watching from outside, right? When you're the audience. Yep, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Robin the, is, I think, an inch taller than mm -hmm. his opponent now. Yeah. It's a really interesting fact. Like, the, they both are 6 and 0. Yep. They both won third round TKO, I guess, right? Yep, yep. On yep. one, they debuted on the same night. Yeah, I think they might have a blood in similar, like considering this, like they both are like flag bearers of MMA in their yeah. respective countries. Yeah, and there's a mutual respect. Like, let's not get it twisted. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the same time, yeah, with you're both trying to go towards the same goal. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of inevitable to meet similar people. This is the game. Like millions, thousands of people try and fight, and this is the path. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so um. The training camp last time was in Vertex because you wanted to experience what the training camp and stuff was, like that was, right? And then um, this time around, it's in Nagaland. Like, I, I actually Googled that. I had no idea where that was. And when I actually saw where it was, it's like it's it's like a flight away from uh, Nepal, right? Yep, a couple of flights. Yeah. How did you get hooked up to Nagaland? <laughs> um, like all of, each of us have our own Nagaland story, right. you know? So for me, as like trying to manage a camp and see what our preparation is gonna look like this gym has been a kind of source of inspiration for lock and roll over the years like my friend who runs the who's the main coach there meme kremile meta he um is a naga dude lives in nagaland and he started what lock and roll is trying to do he's been doing it 10 years from before for oh, the really? naga people so just putting into perspective mm -hmm. so he's already a decade ahead of us in experience and whatever, like he's set up there. And at the same time, we wanted to go the other end of the spectrum as in comparison to Fairtex, where it's like a big established gym, right? We wanted to, I personally wanted to put him a little bit out of his comfort zone mm -hmm. and put him out of the comfort zone and into a little uncomfortable place where yeah. he can just 
because I think he's got the techniques and stuff. Sometimes he's just trying to keep the mind also isolated and re ready for a battle that's coming forward. So the Na move to Nagaland, obviously, regardless of the culture there, of the warrior culture, they came and brew were brewed through over the years of generations of like headhunters there, trying to soak in that mana also a little bit. You know, yeah. There's a lot of it's a spiritual journey at the end. Like we we try and soak everything up and Nagaland at this point of time. It's kind of intuition and uh, instinct too, and we just felt like that gym there, and there's a bunch of good, like good fighters there too, mm -hmm. coming up around. Uh, similar to Ismail, they can grapple, and uh, the conditioning coach and everything there was good. We hired, like we work with a new conditioning coach, um, a young dude, Sashi, Robin. I think put in the most amount of effort with Sashi. That we like credit to him, too and put in the best conditioning effort, like his condition, his weight and everything, keeping in check. Because the last FedEx gym, we didn't have a proper weight cut. Like, it was a little, like, I, I personally didn't like it. Right. Like how it went. Mm -hmm. Miscalculation of a lot of stuff. Obviously the path was shown to us that the scaffolding was good, but at the end, we got like a kg over, you know? Mm -hmm. So I explained everything to the coaches there, like, we need help with weight cutting, like proper guidance of with nutrition, trying to stay, like everything that goes with it, the small nitty gritties of MMA, like not just skill, not just conditioning, but the weight cutting and everything else. And um, yeah, Nagaland was a good choice. And also, yeah, like, I mean, trying to get, <clears throat> like I said, again, trying to come to a smaller room with small coaches with concentrated, Mm -hmm. Effort from different yeah. coaches rather than a big room and where everyone's busy. <clears throat> yeah. So what's the story with Nagaland? They're they're technically a part of India, right? But it's like in a, kind of like an obscure area of India. It's like right in the border of uh, Myanmar. Myanmar. Yeah. 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 Um, You're telling me about the warrior culture there. You wanna say something? Other? Go ahead, man. Uh, Nagaland is like one of the states, like on paper, it's one of the states like of India. But culturally, it's nothing to do with... Didn't look like it. Yeah, nothing, bro, nothing. So it's like crazy. And out there, uh, with the recent history and all the history that they have, were basically like tribes. They have like 16 tribes or something. But the most prominent ones are like seven or eight of them, I think. If you, I might be, don't quote me on that, must be seven. Uh, and they are really proud... <clears throat> warrior culture like where tribes used to fight each other the naga tribes all of them are naga tribes but they used to fight each other um for territory cattle what you name it women like everything right and fight uh, one warrior is to fight the other try to cut their heads off bring it back to the village celebrate get a tattoo like you you know, it's like basically killing each other. Yeah. But it's not, like my friend said, it's not about like trying to prove who's the masculine or something. In a way it is, but in that culture, they celebrated the warrior. Mm -hmm. Like if you see people with like tattoos on the chest, on their face, like old people, and you go to their home, home right? Like they have something similar like this, wooden pieces. Yeah. And they carve like one head in one of these pieces. <laughs> and if you go to their head and you see yeah, one of the head, so that means like, this guy or whoever lives owns this house has yeah. cut somebody's head off and brought it back. Like home. physically, just cut the guy's head off. Yeah, head yeah, off. yeah. So, but now they're like they found Christianity. You know, they've calmed down a little bit. Like, 
ஒரு <laughs> 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 but you know this is got it you know yeah, still, you know you know you know you know for sunny nagar bro they're going to chop your head off yeah. and like they're going to say you sorry the main leader, leader, but yeah, you are really dead you know what i'm saying like doesn't and what better place to train like yeah so it was more of that mana trying to get the naga not that we nepalese people lack in any of that yeah. but at the same time you know no, the more the, the merrier the to what nepalas right mm-hmm. so yeah yeah very similar for for us it was very relatable because it's like Nepal is kind of indigenous to the country yeah, to, to the world right but we're not chopping head heads yeah. off and like celebrating you know? I think no, that's like there's some kind of uh some kind of you know stop yeah, yeah there is there is and i mean so nagaland is also historic in a way for the world war 2 you should like just giving a history recent history let's say so that was a very pivotal area where the British fought the Japanese. Mm-hmm. The Japanese had come all the way up to Myanmar, cross over to Nagaland. So the Battle of Kohima and Imphal, if you look it up, like yeah. historically, they call it the Stalingrad War, Battle of Stalingrad of the East. It was very pivotal at that point of time in 1945, where uh, like 12,500 uh, roughly Japanese came over the border and the British contingent of like just 6,000, something like that, like half, even less than half of the yeah. Japanese soldiers met at Kohima. the capital town of Nagaland so the battle of Kohima is super interesting if you go look it up and that battle that there was a Gurkha regiment to in that british right. like that led the war and there was a lot of killing and that stopped the japanese from coming into india the british regiment of the gurkha rifles there was wow. like raj assam rifles a lot of uh rifles right uh, mercenaries basically uh fought of japanese if they wouldn't have won japanese in kohima in nagaland after like they crossed over burma whatever you never know the history of india they would be probably be speaking japanese possibly oh, you know what I'm saying? yeah 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 so they had to retreat there because the japanese didn't know how to fight in the jungle apparently mm. the jungles and the gurkhas were pretty stealth like mm. they knew a little bit more of how to sneak attack and if you look at i i looked at it yeah recently and it's really interesting I'll check it out yeah So in terms of the camp how do you think it compares to the the camp that you guys did in Fairtex because I mean Fairtex is kind of like you you didn't know what to expect you didn't know if you're going to get a fight well you were looking for a fight at the uh, time uh, this time around a fight is confirmed right so in terms of like for from Ramendra's own like uh, opinion what how does he feel about um like the training camp this time uh, compared in Nagaland compared uh, to like Fairtex to the last camp you can go preparation like difference around the I doing going into the fight cost of field by right so this ทำกูได้กูได้สิอ่าฮะบ่นะไอ้แกมอลิซิมิลาร์เลยซะวันไฟท์แกมตาอันนี้ตอนอลิเฟติกส์มันซีดีเฟนซิฟเทนี่อ
मा के अब त्यो फाइट चाहिँ अब मेन्टली चाहिँ कस्तो हुन्छ त्यो दिन हार्ड वर्क त सबै गरिसके अनि अब मेन्टली त्यो दिन चाहिँ कस्तो हुन्छ त्यही सो आई हैव आस्क्ड दिस क्वेशन व्हेन वी वर एट क्याम्प लाइक आई वाज इंटरव्यूइंग हिम आई डोंट थिंक इट मेक्स मेक्स एनी डिफरेंस टू हिम व्हेरएवर ही ट्रेन्स ही हैज गॉट दिस ही गेट्स इन अ डिफरेंट जोन व्हेन यू ऑफ कोर्स एवरी फाइटर नीड्स टू बट for him it does not actually make a difference because um, when he was in fatex like he could not communicate very well in english mm-hmm. all the athletes won't understand english too because everyone speaks thai there right mm-hmm. so you're all you're maybe a little bit more culturally uh to like um, closer to what nepal is because a lot of people were speaking in hindi which he understands really well mm-hmm. but other than that he someone would just follow whatever the coach says or just listens to whatever guidance is you know mm-hmm. taught with and just follows them and he speaks to almost no one when he has no business <laughs> so <laughs> he's kind of a loner on his own he, he loves to be alone so i don't think it made much difference right but uh, what he was saying was the uh, naga camp was a bit more aggressive right and the, the fatex one was it it focused on defense more because right. i think uh, uh, fighting thorepchu is a is a very experienced striker so mm-hmm. maybe that's why there was a more, more defense there mm-hmm. here he wants to he focused on uh, a little bit of more attacking right mm-hmm. it was also because of sorry it was because yeah. of like the camp in fatex it was a little more decorated fighters were there to while sparring the muay thai guys mm-hmm. like people who are in the main card of one also train there so so sometimes you know it's like hard to punch like a pro 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 of the pros like their main card of their stable so there's a respect right you're going to their gym you don't want to go too hard while he's being the fuck out of you in sparring too Mm-hmm. So in this camp, so he had to be at work a little bit on his defenses more than like yeah he's saying his mindset. But now this time in this camp, they were more of his own his own level, mm-hmm. like with same similar record, more yeah. of them like hungry fighters too. Yeah. So the sparrings were a little more mm-hmm. like he was more free to do some spinning things, like be more loose yeah. in training rather than compared to when training with like. professionals like we've already who are the gyms fighters who carry the name of the gym in their name right so that was what he was trying yeah. to say mm-hmm. um the opponent ismail right that's his name he's training at fairtex now right and there's a no no, no or i thought he's in right? no he's like training in pakistan, pakistan. Ah, he's right. cornerman trains in ah right okay okay Pulumi, who was previous in last camp helped him prepare for the fight yeah now he's in ismail's corner does that concern you at all that that, that coach is going to be helping him out and like trained him in the last fight do you think or do you think there is going to be a lot of like uh, professional integrity in terms of like not not tipping the guy off no i'm sure there's going to be things said and exchanged i mean i would i would too yeah know? but at the same time nor me nor he is going to go and fight inside at the end of the day it's ismail and ravindra yeah. is going to have it out and uh, ulumi would be happy either ways it won't Robin Dutta would yeah, take down like, his ID. He knows there are like deep mutual respect. Yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. going into it, like yeah, yeah. Stylistically, there's a completely different fight as well, though. Yeah. Like um, both grapplers, right? Uh, Ismail guy seems to well, seems to have a really aggressive shot style, taking the guy down, trying to control from the bottom, blow from the top position. I'm 
But again, at the same time, the opponent last time was 17 and he was 5'3", so it's a little bit different, I suppose. So yeah. there's not going to be like a strength or a size advantage either. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, a very interesting build-up. I think they couldn't be better, right? Yeah. A fight so well matched. That's going to be about yeah. this. For, for the grappling fans, it's going to be a huge one because it's going to be interesting to watch how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Robinder has yet faced someone like his wife mm-hmm. also, which is exciting. And we're ready to pump for this fight. Yeah. So it's like the first actual like like um, grappler heavy guy that you guys are facing, right? How does Robinder feel about it going up against this guy? He's a small son of your fight, but there's a specific thought. He's a a simple man with simple answers, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, so be like water dice, yeah. adapt to the vessel. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So um, I wanted to ask you, Sisan, you're, you're like super famous in Nepal. I did a little bit, like just a little bit of digging, but like, <laughs> like quite a famous filmmaker. And uh, you started back in like uh, 2015, right? Yeah. How did you How did you end up getting connected with uh, Lock and Roll? Uh. Well, uh, I had been a very, like, I, I've been a, a, a fan of MMA in general since ages because my friend introduced it to me around at 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. 11, 12. He was uh, a trainer in Nepal, a very famous trainer in Nepal. Rage. Rage, mm-hmm. you know, Rage is the first MMA gym of Nepal. So he used to train there. Uh, he used to come, free. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's somewhere in Thailand training. Mm-hmm. So he introduced me to MMA and it got me really interested. We tried to do something like 10 years back, but I really didn't have the team. I always wanted, I always believed that, you know, Nepalese have this fighting energy. They're so uh, one of the best countries in Taekwondo, Karate in the 90s. So I was, I mean, we grew up with that and I'm pretty sure you guys can relate like when we were growing up in the 90s or whatever, like, you know, there was a lot of bullying, there was a lot of, I, I think our generation has that thing because in our teenage, if you weren't fighting on the street, you wouldn't get the respect too either, right? So in a way, I had, I had a very keen interest on fighting in general and MMA was something that really interested me and I used to follow UFC since uh, then only all right so mm-hmm. that was happening and uh, I met Divis in a gym while I was shooting for something Jim Ghanama <laughs> then he was like crazier <laughs> when he was a fighter so yeah. we took a photo together you know like it's a small country everyone wants a photo like yeah. I was like mildly famous then and he texts me like, dude, I'm gonna smash this boy, something like that. <laughs> you gotta better watch out. And you won the fight, right? <laughs> I was filming yeah. the whole event for myself. And next day, see, dude, I've told you, like, he had some other thing. And I, I might have seen the message, but that's something I like try to ignore, right? <laughs> no, can I say something over there? Yeah. I thought you were taking that guy's video, like. I'm like, bro, I'm gonna smash your guy. You're taking the video off. You know, say tomorrow you'll see. Like, you probably be like 
pointing the camera at me like I'm kidding like you're on the edge no yeah. Yeah. you have a I had a, like a Muay Thai fight going I was yeah. a little edgy a little bit so yeah. that was that fight where you're like you're looking blood from the side <laughs> of your eye <laughs> right? there's that photo of you looking the blood <laughs> right? I think yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking psycho, man. So yeah, after that, it was fun getting to know him. But yeah, so that happened, and uh, I don't know. Uh, we kind of knew each other, but we never spent. Uh, it, it it only took a night of loads of drinking yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we met, and he wanted to meet because he had something interesting to say. He did not actually tell me what, but uh, we met for the first time like properly, and we sat down. There's a bunch, and he starts to tell me about this guy. So I saw it in his eyes. He's he's committed, man. He's he's got someone that he see he has the hope on. Like, can I do a like long monologue? I want to say something about this. All right. Yeah. So before I come here, before I come here. So what is what what's it like in Nepal? Is like sports in general is looked as it's something of a luxury, man. It's mm. it's a privilege. Yes. If 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 a teenager is playing basketball and he's like you know he, people assume that okay like but what have you thought for your future because basketball is not something that you'll make a living out of if someone is training take what okay that's for fun mm-hmm. or like okay but what do we have to do what, what do you want to do in future that's the whole thing so i mean it's really difficult for any athlete and Right now, what Drabindra is doing, I think he's the perfect candidate, perfect person to represent Nepal. Like, he's one of those, uh, he's got that vibe. Like, you've, this is the second time you're talking yeah. to him. So you get what vibe he carries. Mm-hmm. He's one of those villager, construction worker somewhere mm-hmm. who you've not even ever met because he's spent his life in such a remote place. Like, I I, I think that's why we related to Naga also because it's like a village somewhere. I... I'm pretty sure people from Dagestan will also relate to what Tata is like. Just a few years ago, he was cleaning cars with, he used to have a bucket of water, right? And one wet towel, one dry towel, and the bucket of water should be enough to mm-hmm. clean four cars. Yeah. One car is 10 rupees, 10 rupees, and go. That's mm-hmm. uh, two, two, two baht, three baht, two, three baht. For one car, like what, like get eight baht for cleaning four cars, right? That's the math. And his friends are still doing it. Mm-hmm. So most of his friends are still cleaning cars. He was a maid, household maid. He used to do the dishes. Like, I think any fighter would want this kind of story, but they don't actually have it. You know, yeah. they, they 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 could pretend all they want, but he actually has that. He comes from that, and I think. He represents Nepal so beautifully because that's what Nepal is about. And for him to make this far, I think very less or maybe no sports athlete ever in Nepal has made it this big. I think that comes with time also, right? But there's a lot of hope he carries and doesn't matter if it's a, a football player or a boxer or anyone back home. Everyone's rooting for him because... This is something that could change the perspective. And uh, I, what I see sports in general as is if there wouldn't be any sports, there'd be war. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would see like, like, you know, and in the model, modern, modern, like in the, in this current time, like Connor represents Irish, like he shows how, like 
strong Irish people are or like, you know, the Africa thing is going on. Okay, Africa is strong one. So like, we need Asian fighters on the global map, right? And his story, like, if a very good documentary experienced filmmaker would have a story, he could easily go for the Oscar nominations or a Netflix Easily, easily. Yeah. Nims Dai types. Yeah, easily, man. Nims Dai, basically. Like, his story is far more than Nims Dai. I, I knew, I don't know if he knows Nims Dai, the guy who got 14 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I love so, that so, documentary. So awesome. I, yeah. I, I did a couple, I, I, did, I did help him in the documentary yeah. as well. I knew him before. Like, I knew him in the stage where you are right now, okay, before being famous, before. Mm -hmm. But, You've got a much more interesting story, a simpler story, which everyone can relate to. And I'm just here because, so we go back to the night of drinking. Devis tells me all of this. And the next day I meet him, his sister is crying while she, they're, they're uh, telling about, like, you know, the details of the story, where he comes from. There's so many things I got so touched, man. And what, like, we watch, like, movies, we listen to podcasts to get inspired, right? So right now, I'm living a movie. I'm living inside a movie, like, you know, from a bee's perspective or whatever, like I'm there on a third person's perspective, I'm watching them. He's a crazy motherfucker, man. He's he's a psycho, completely. <laughs> but <laughs> I think... I, I'm on the rap song, like, <laughs> And this guy is like, he's, he's, I think he's as pure as a person can get. He's like a small kid who'll do whatever you will ask him to do. But he's such, he's like a mountain, you know, like at the same time. And I feel so glad that he is the person that's, that has our Nepal's flag on his back. And I couldn't have think, I couldn't have thought of anyone else who could do it. So that's where it is. And this is so heavy for me because this is not just a campaign that they run. This is kind of a movement for the whole Nepali uh, fight scene and I hope for the Asian fighting scene also. This is this is a very, very, very uh, important uh, step, especially this guy selling his bike sometimes. Like, I don't know, to get the his fights and everything. He's, he's put all on his line for not like, and he's not even expecting something. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he's got someone like, every, every every now and then, if I get to spend time with Rabindra, he's like, oh fuck, man, I used to be crushing stones. I'm so lucky to be here. <laughs> he's got this no it's very emotional yeah. so uh, I, I think everyone should know everyone should know he should be a fighter like you know when when our product the documentary comes I think Ramindu should be a prized fighter like they spend like national champs spend their life sleeping on the floor right at the end of the career when they have kids they have family they should deserve a nice bed so that's all we want that's all we want man he what he's still struggling like you know this is the second fight he's still struggling for a lot i don't know how has managed the nagalan thing highland it's so, so it's it's heavy on your pocket because oh, yeah you, so i don't know how these guys are managing it but we want to create a scene we want to create a scene like they have the i get uh, iceland go fight fighters or a strong man or so there's a culture there thailand has muay thai mm -hmm. like we're all about gorgas and everything but we don't have a culture there so we really want that or maybe we would want the government to create a facility, an academy for fighters, you know, because we believe we have it. Or else he wouldn't have beaten Torabshi, who's got like 300 plus fights, man.
a guide from Nepal with very less experience can do that means we've got a lot of we've got a lot of opportunities wasted mm -hmm. and this represents all of those all of those people from Nepal man yeah. so that's quite about it man this is this is something that's just too inspiring I'm, i feel lucky to be here yeah. standing next to you guys that's that's about it man no pressure <laughs> <laughs> when you put it into that perspective yeah now that i think about it like there's never been like a superstar athlete from nepal right now that you think about it because like it was the same in myanmar oh. not, not until ong la came along he's the only it's like it's like uh, michael jordan in the u.s right there's a few of those kind of athletes in different kind of sports in, in the u.s but like i honestly didn't realize back here. yeah exactly and like i didn't realize that like until i came to southeast asia and i saw ong la and the 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 way people shouted like oh like this is the first and only ever guy there was and you guys have like you guys are right now building that same person right now and that's gonna be the first one right yeah we're lucky we're super lucky like they've been so like i've followed so many athletes down the lines and since uh we, we we try to make documentaries we try to we try our best to you know give the fighters the stage but we've never never like nothing has aligned so perfectly till till now because i didn't i don't think we've had like a digital platform like these mm -hmm. never we didn't have a coach like this who could see beyond and we never had a fight like this and i, I think everything is aligned i'm pretty sure they were like really really amazing athletes prior to this but you know you need a promoter you need like everything should you need a team right yeah so you we only had fighters but no one could promote them mm -hmm. and if i have something like this you know the least i can do is like helping them is helping me it's good publicity good good yeah. views good image for me also so mm -hmm. i'm selfish in my own ways yeah it's not that like i'm just doing it for mm -hmm. Yeah, like, can I say something? Yeah, go on. Like him and I both. I know I'm speaking for Robindra also, but it's everything is happening, right? People are talking, watching, whatever, and uh, we just make sure it doesn't get to our head. You asked why Nagaland. Mm -hmm. That was one of the main reasons. He didn't want to let it. Go yeah, to like basically, we understand it's a long journey, not one fight or two fight. Mm -hmm. Our goal is like, like I said, we were here and ten-year plan we have, right? So we're not rushing. Uh, we have worked hard. He has put like endless hours of preparation. Mm -hmm. He knows his opponent. He has not like there's no way. All he sees is his opponent right now. I'm sure sitting here, he's not even in this conversation right now. He's all he's thinking about is like, okay, visualizing the fight. And uh, we have we just want to get this fight, show his skills, probably get to show skills that he hasn't had to in his last fights and show one like why they should look at him more so it's a process and he's he's in that he's not he's not bothered much about like photos podcasts videos all this nothing he he's grounded and yeah. locked in yeah i remember uh last time around you guys were pretty pretty excited full of energy this time around you man literally literally you both look like you just came out the fucking jungle i mean <laughs> like you, you literally did yeah. right and I've, I've never seen you so tired ever and i was just like dude what the fuck like you, you're never tired you never stop you keep going and then this time around you look like you just came through a war zone yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck man i mean you guys are ready this time we're ready yeah. but more like even me i can't i can't think of anything else beyond yeah. december 15th like 
You ask me about anything. This, this I don't care. Also, sorry. I, I, they had a uh, they had a strength and conditioning coach who really, really, really pushed them to. I wasn't part of the conditioning game. sessions, but just looking at it, I got tired. You know what I'm <laughs> so leading up to the fight now, what's uh, what's what's the main priority? Prepping. I mean, it's a week out. So it's more like resting the body, making sure the weight's on point, everything yeah, like yeah. that. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Just running a few scenarios over the head, like visualizing, vis mm -hmm. visualizing the fight, mm -hmm. and just getting rested, like just being in the zone. In the fight week, I don't bother him too much. Too like you should just be in your room, like just be by yourself. Like mm -hmm. he's, is is pretty dangerous when he's alone, like when his back is against the wall. Yeah, if you if you talk to him too much and also like we are weight cutting, like gets irritating, you know. Mm -hmm. so just keeping your space whenever and the right time whenever you need I'm like we're there yeah but just be in your in your zone like don't get distracted by social media like all the messages this that comments not nah, cut that shit like let's go dial in mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little bit harder to drown out that white noise right tell it to social media focus leading up fight Manchester message at Gorsa Tauta. Ali Ali? Uh, it, a little bit obviously everyone's human if you go through the messages it will hit a nerve positive or negative mm -hmm. but he tries not to like look into it he just focuses on watching YouTube some stuff like that and kill mm -hmm. time I was thinking <clears throat> I was thinking watching the first fight that you guys were going down of like um, I've, I've been trying to like reframe jujitsu in my mind a little bit just because when we're talking about training and stuff like that, you're always thinking about the certain positions, right? Like, and when we're thinking about those positions, we're thinking IBJJF point scoring, right? So that means side control, mount, stuff like, like that. But then when you actually see MMA, like if, if IBJJF, the rule sets were, the control positions were the best control positions, you'd see a lot more in like MMA fights, right? And I was thinking, and then... And then now, now that I've been looking, you've been seeing like how ADCC is evolving the game, mm -hmm. and especially in Nogi Jiu Jitsu. I'm realizing now just how much those positions are actually inferior to to pinning the lower body. And uh, yeah, just I was kind of like studying position yesterday. I was looking at um, Craig Jones's power ride yesterday. And I was just thinking about some of the positions when you guys were advancing in the first fight as well. And I was thinking like, like for an example, for example. So think about it carefully, right? The best positions is back mount, um, mount position, and side control, right? But it's all your body completely trying to pin the, the upper yeah. body, right? But where does the most where does the most explosive movements come your from? Feet. Your feet, yeah. right? And uh, when you watch Khabib, for example, he's right? bringing up the feet, and he stays in half guard. Mm -hmm. Why? Because your body weight is on top of the half guard. That means they can't use the legs to get out of the position. Yep, yep. So I was thinking about last night for about two hours. I was just studying, and I was just thinking to myself. Um, actually tying up the legs are way more important than getting into those dominant positions. And I remember when I was watching Rabindra's fight as well with the guy, once he kept on trying to pass the guard, that's when the guy would recover guard. And I was just thinking to myself, okay, actually, 
there's these different dimensions depending the guy and striking and obviously he's he's a ground and pounder right and i was just thinking to myself okay actually like pinning the legs stapling the legs or splitting legs are way more important and uh yeah just i was just like because of like watching that fight and thinking about like what what's more dominant it made me kind of like think okay this is how we're going to um how i'm going to teach for the next few weeks um uh, as well and what's really more important as well especially the half guard with that underhook yeah Yeah. It's a devastating position. But think about it carefully. You stop a person's movement. So let's say you put your body weight on top of the legs, put the feet together, or you split the legs. There's no more explosive movement. Yeah. Or if you turk the legs, that means the feet can't touch the ground, right? Uh -huh. So there's no bridging. There's no shrimping. So what are they going to do? They're going to get tired trying to move. And since their lower body isn't working, they use their hands to get up. They're going to use their hands to get up. That means getting. post up onto the elbow. And that's going to compromise position. That means they're going to sacrifice they're going like they're going to sacrifice or make mistakes to try and get out of the position right and that's when you see guys that could be advancing the position that's where you see the dagestani handcuff and that's where the guy can't post anymore and then it just gets worse and worse and worse i'm not saying i'm not saying like those like the dominant positions in IBJJF are wrong i'm just saying you should be exhausting the guy um positionally then get into the dominant positions and then finish And that's what a lot of guys are not doing. And what I'm realizing now is those those gray areas in between the dominant positions are what's going to be like key because it's more it's more important in MMA, I think, because the the stakes are higher as well. But yeah, it was just like it was it, it was making me brainstorm after watching that first fight and just thinking about what the next fight is going to be stylistically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his opponent also tries to do the same thing. Yeah, tries to entangle the leg mm -hmm. with, with his legs. Yeah, try to tire you out. Yeah, and then of course, um, body locks. Our, our friend Sergey was um, giving some help. Obviously, see, he's got an MMA background and he's yeah. Russian as well, right? And he's from the kind of like the Georgian area where the mountains are, where the Dagestani guys are as well. And he was just like, he was giving you a little bit of tips on what to yeah, do in that yeah. exchange. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yep. Yeah, man. It's I'm actually be, really excited. It's hell of a fight, bro. It's in one, it? once in a life you know, as a fan. Was <laughs> As a fan, I'm like besides yeah. just putting yourself away from the picture, also, just as a fan of MMA, it's a, a sick fight to yeah, make. Really, like, looking at the trajectory of their respective careers and the culture they bring to the table, because when you're bringing two different fighters from two different countries, you're bringing two different cultures together and watching it explode in that yeah yeah and we've watched our opponent like his media attention he gets in his country this and that studied our opponent's game for sure but also how he is his personality and stuff there's a lot of uncanny resemblance to be honest and um, yeah mm -hmm. so more than anything else he's fighting himself mentally also and someone else in his like in the other person's body but also inside himself he's fighting himself too so mm -hmm. he's fighting two of him yeah half the battle is like getting over your own emotions as uh, well yeah. davis why why is my why did you choose you 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 i didn't i just predicted i didn't choose so it was it was like one. one's offer just straight up i could see them like on the night only i could like yeah, I see things the fight ended you were there like yeah. okay this guy right after robin's fight he was fighting and okay This is from our territory. Yeah. Like the file similar. There's a possibility. I think we talked about it yeah, right yeah. on the first like, fight, right? I could see it. I could just see it, like one yeah, gonna play and elevate, ele like check each other up, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody could see that. So I just guessed it, and 
when they offered Ismail the second fight, I was not surprised. So, we, I mean, like he wasn't surprised either. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I've watched some of the episodes of actually leading up to the fight. So, you've done how many how many episodes have you actually done with Rabindra now? Because I watched the oh. Fairtex training camp, the post fight, and then uh, when you guys were up traveling together in Nepal. Yeah, yeah. to his yeah. hometown. It's yeah. like three phases, right? First, we went to his hometown. We covered something. So what I'm doing is that's like the doc. Let's every 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 time I go somewhere, it's for the documentary. But uh, <clears throat> we didn't expect one championship to have so mm -hmm. happen so early. So now my ideas have changed for how it where it should go. So I needed a, a climax for the thing. We did NWC first in Nepal, which I thought we could do more, and we we were here at one. And this is the second fight. I still think that we can do more. So, uh, it's been three phases. One, uh, first answering a question. One in his hometown, Bajang. Second one was a uh, second one was while preparing for uh, the, during the Fairtex camp. Third one was during the fight. Right? What happens? So I missed the weight cut thing because mm -hmm. I realized that was the actually most intense part where the mind game is you know mm -hmm. playing messing with the person himself, but. That's that's why I am here. Maybe I hopefully will get something out of this trip, and let's see, man. I I, I don't know when we should get the thing released because for now, just the vlogs are the rough parts that I've put on YouTube. That itself is helping him. So when we want something that would create an impact, you know, to get him on to the next level, then we'll probably have the documentary. Mm -hmm. But as I go, I, I'm learning so much, you know, I'm, I'm new to this. Mm -hmm. uh, so as I, as we go, we, I'm learning every day what's happening and everything. So, yeah, yeah man. So week leading up, what else is the, what, um, what are the future plans then? Now, next we'll go to a big camp. Yeah. Next fight. You think so? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Uh, there's a few we've listed out. Mm -hmm. We'll approach yeah and see what's best mm -hmm. but yeah next next more than uh, preparing for a camp next camp should be more to uh, acquire new skills and sharpen the old skill acquisition yeah so for next camp hopefully early early next year like jan feb itself put him through another couple of months to a good camp with 50 60 fighters like him in the room types Sparring, new sparring style, sparring body, new wrestling coach, new like environment, new environment. Again, challenge himself mm -hmm. again in a new environment. Yeah. Keep him on his toes. Then look for a fight after that. Yeah. What fascinates me about this whole process, though, again, like, um, not only not only is he learning, and not only is he like becoming a pioneer in terms of the like Nepalese MMA, right? You, you've got to grow just as much, just as equally as a coach as well, right? So you learn how, I mean. Establishing the team alone is difficult enough, right? But then at the same time, you're still in the developmental stage as well, right? So at Fairtex, you learn how to do it this way, right? And you're going up and down from Bangkok because you need to learn jiu-jitsu up at Arete. Not only that, you're going down to Fairtex to learn how to become like an MMA coach. So that means you've got to train at the same time as well, right? Balancing that is difficult enough as it is, but then this time around, you're going to something a little bit more raw in Nagaland, right? And you're learning how to build relationships. And because, like, you have to network as well, right? There's thousands of great fighters out there, but at the same time, like, some of them, they never got off the ground because the coach fumbled it or just they didn't know really how to play the game either. Because so it's very much playing a game at the same time as coaching. You can be the greatest coach in the world, but, like, it's, 
if you if you don't know how to like build relationships as well, it's very difficult. I feel like. How do you think that pro? How, how do you feel that process has been for you? Uh, effortless, I guess. To be honest, like I don't have to try hard. Yeah, like, it's just maybe how I am and how we grew up. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not overly friendly person. Like not overly, but mm-hmm. like I'm easy. You know, so getting to know people. It's not really been a problem if we have a mutual uh, interest. Mm-hmm. If you have no mutual interest, I cannot make conversation with. So MMA being the common denominator, like it's easy to yeah. MMA jujitsu being like common, it's mm-hmm. been the easiest currency for me to exchange knowledge and skill and time with new people. And yeah, mm-hmm. so not having to. I don't stress about that much. Yeah. So people, if. I believe uh, people, if they really uh, believe in your you and what you're trying to do and the journey you are, it, it should be effortless. Like you shouldn't be running behind them. A little. If they see something in you, they will resonate. Mm-hmm. Like you will not have to try to prove a point specifically to them. So that's been the motto. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Has anything changed? Do you think, like, since the first fight, since coming back to Nepal in terms of like coaching, has it made it more difficult for you, or has it made it easier for you to coach? Like, like he just said, we just understood there's a huge way to go, like a long way to go, like mm-hmm. huge uh, uh, levels to mm-hmm. climb and achieve. When we saw the pros, how like the pro pros, how they do it, and uh, when champions, how we do it, um, so put us back again in a mindset where it's not enough. We gotta yeah. work more, learn more skills, show more skills and be more well-rounded fighter go through some losses in the gym like mm-hmm. get losing sparring rounds but sharpen come back again stay strong get a nutrition mm-hmm. try to eat well get supplements correct get recovery correct get your finances correct get yeah. your social media campaigning correct like there's been a bunch of stuff but it's all been the same thing but just try and level up and just be more patient yeah, patience too, man. Like, yeah. like, like whatever, like you know, the cool. Like the fight day is coming. We're patient. He's, you can see he's got a patient demeanor right now. Like, yeah, just that's been more sharpened, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty much it, isn't it? Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. I guess um, my last question is, who would you like to thank this time around? thank sorry, <laughs> it's like having a kid in front of their you know, parents and asking them. School must class with my body, so there's the same. First hour, one year. Sponsors. Our first family, my family, you know, ah, still got a lot of stuff. I know, I'm on some. I'm God, I'm on some. God, I'm on some. Family, I'm on some. God, I'm on some. 
भंडन भाष फैमिली भैया फ्रेंड्स लक एंड रोल टीम हम जिम because you train with each other you're like sparring with each other like you go back home do the nwc2 which is the nepali uh, promotion that you're got in your head so what's going on between you two? what kind of conversations or like what how would you want to react to is uh preparation like what what's going on man mm. That NWC, I've not even thought about it. Like my partners and friends are handling it. That's that's an afterthought after the fight. I haven't thought anything else beyond fifteenth, seven thirty p.m., fifteenth uh, December. And um, but leading up to uh, this fight right now, um, I'm pretty pretty confident about his preparation and his engine right now. Like how it's firing. His weight, everything is good. I know, like I have seen this guy for the last five, three, four fights. He hits us like most athletes. They, as the day comes, you hit a zone, right, where like everything else doesn't matter, like nothing else matters. So I'm, I'm in that zone too. Like right now, for me, family, friends, life, death, nothing matters. Like I just. solely focus on that eating sleeping and yeah a little bit resting this this week is our downer week like tapering off like just recover week cuz last 3 weeks we had like twice thrice a day we were training mm-hmm. plus him with conditioning sessions like that's almost four sessions a day sometimes like so yeah that camp did take a toll but you fresh dude this is all right like we good रिंग there like you'd rather not have him call his family or anything god just focus no you can call like you can call it's okay like cuz i know his family is a big inspiration for him yeah. like some people is distraction some people they take inspiration from family like being in the fight or having calling right mm-hmm. me personally i think calling me for me personally if I, there's a comp, like fight like family is like a distraction if they are watching live too cuz you're thinking about them and mm-hmm. like right there next to you right yeah So but this guy like he doesn't have such a problem I think I've seen him with his family live also so he's zoned in He does a really good job of blocking the noise out Yeah yeah I I I I can vouch for that like so I don't have to worry much about him 
just his body language tells me he's in the zone. I don't need to go asking him, talking like being his therapist and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. Meg, I have a question for you before we end it, man. Yeah, sure, man. So, um, you're gonna be in the corner too, right? Yeah, you asked me <laughs> to. Yeah. I was like, when you told me that, I was like, yeah. in my mind, like, I'm, I'm not saying it out loud, but in my mind, I'm just thinking, fuck, really? Yeah. Loud, you know? No, plus, cause like, you have jujitsu experience, and uh, mm-hmm. you can, you see some positions that I might miss sometimes, and it can be a the changing factor too. You never know, mm-hmm. and. Your team Arade, bro. So Arade has been with us, with me since day one, and it only makes Executive sense. Coach or something. Uh, it's amazing, man. Yeah. <laughs> part of the team, part oh, of the team. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, could say Andrew McDonald, though. Yeah. Could say Canada, Masaile. Yeah, he'll be back in January, but um, I did say Uze. Well, this was a uh, training. It was uh, back in the different building called um, Bio. Bio House. Yeah, and that's and then I. I I would intermittently come up and down from Myanmar because I was um, establishing a, a cross, the first CrossFit gym. And that's there. how we got to know each other. And by like osmosis, I ended up becoming the head coach of jiu-jitsu there at the time because uh, there's no other higher belt, so I was kind of left to run the roost basically. And yeah, just build jiu-jitsu. Yes, but what do you? I mean, what do you think about it, man? Like looking at since you've called us here like twice already to be on this board. Just looking at from an outside, uh, looking at the journey, what, what do you mm-hmm. think about it? Just over the top of your head. It's been a learning experience, right? I mean, everything's new. There's no there's no infrastructure whatsoever in, in Nepal, right? Just the same as there's nothing in like Myanmar. I mean, there can't be in, in uh, Myanmar's case, obviously, because like there's no there's no funding, there's no money, there's inflation, there's barely any fuel in the petrol stations. There's like cars lining up for nine hours to try and get a full tank of gas, you know, and uh, just it's like you're gonna have to learn, you're gonna have to kind of like wing it at the same time. If it was somewhere like if you're living in Thailand or something like that, you do have the infrastructure, you do have the connections, you do have the people that you can work with, already know how to do everything. So like it's just really. For me, it's it's just super interesting to see because like we're trying to we had similar goals in different countries and for for me it's jujitsu is the focus but for you it's like it's like building something which is MMA and jujitsu everything right because you do have the skill set for it as well but it's just like for me it's just like thrilling to see how like this process is starting and how well I mean at the end of the day what it is is history making right and that's what you're doing right now. So for me, it's like really interesting to see, and like I just I'm really thankful. I actually actually at some in some capacity can help you, you know. So, so much thanks to you and Taka, Taka. bro. Thanks Total. for I making us look good, man. He makes us look good on the camera, points, man. Taka's a style points, man. Yeah, he gets he gets it, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks bro. Thanks, thanks, thanks guys for having us, man. Thank this you. was hope to be back, Kevin. I'm not TCA, Jim. Let's say thank you. One day, BCA, sorry. Jim, TCA, Nagaland. All right. My Nagas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>